Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hello, everyone. We're continuing our series moment, which is leading up to the greatest moment in all of history where Jesus defeated death and rose from the grave and the tomb is empty. Today is titled The Darkest Moment in All of History. Though we know the other side of the cross, leading up to the cross is the darkest moment of all of history when Jesus goes on the cross and takes all of the sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no, no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. And before we continue, I sense this morning to say this. The living God Almighty, who is worthy of all honor and praise, is here today. Created you, knows you, every part, yet loves you through your darkness and calls you by name into his light. So as we look at the gospel story reading out of Matthew, the good news of Jesus, because it truly is good news, and there is much news out there which is not good right now. And we are not naive to what is happening in darkness, but we want to have ultimate, especially on Sunday, that we're the banner, we're lifting up the good news of Jesus but yet not happy-go-lucky and just moving on so quick to where we're masking the hurt and pain. Well, what a better way than leading up to Good Friday to go into some of those dark spaces and places as the story of Jesus, and picture this, if we're all around um, a story, if you will, and in the center is the main character, the main purpose, the ultimate supreme one in the story, Jesus. But yet, there's all these sub-moments that are taking place, these sub-story plot lines of individuals that we look at. So we're looking at Jesus, and then we're looking into the scriptures and seeing how all of these other lives are impacted, because God's omnipresent. So God in the flesh, Jesus, and yet God is having these moments that are going on with his, his spiritual connection, and, and as they're around this one story that was 2,000 years ago, that his word transforms us as we open up that story that's living and breathing. It's one moment in history. Jesus going to the cross, living the life we couldn't, dying the death we should have. Him who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. But also, what can happen sometimes as we just look back and we forget that his spirit is alive here today. So we look at Jesus, we look at the characters of Jesus, and then we think of, how does that impact us today? So we'll have a few videos that help, pick, help us kind of capture the art of each one of our stories in dark moments as people are brave enough to share some of their stories that they've went through, that I pray today it would impact each one of our lives as we sit here, as we listen, as we watch, and wherever we are at today. So let's go into the gospel of Matthew's gospel recording, or Jesus's gospel recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And we'll read some sections along the way, and I'll narrate uh, and read, and you can read along on the screen if you want, or just listen. Verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful 
in trouble. Then he said to him, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The betrayal of Jesus. When he was still sleeping, Judas came, one of the 12, and with a great crowd with swords and clubs with the, from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hands, hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place. For all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legion of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At the hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all that has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance as far from the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him and some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. And he denied it before them saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. 
And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now to pause for a moment. The story of Jesus is the center, but yet Peter, he's exiting this story, weeping bitterly because he realized in a moment of darkness where he couldn't see and sometimes our uh, sin nature and our, well, all times our sin nature and our flesh will betray us, but the spirit can lead us into life and we in no power possess strength in our own ability, but it's the grace of God working through us as we receive his power. But I can imagine, you know, Peter, if you know the story, he gets restored by Jesus and not by Peter's strength, but by Jesus's strength in Peter. And he calls him uh, um, by his old name and then reminds him of his, of his new name in his way that he's, he's a rock, but he isn't the rock. It's Jesus who is the cornerstone, the rock, and God's power through him would build the church because Jesus is building his church. But as you know this, if God has restored and redeemed you in ways that the enemy will bring those dark moments up and say, look what you did, you failure, you sinner. And Peter could probably go back to those moments and remember, yeah, I wept bitterly. If I denied Jesus then, how do I know I won't fail again? Well, newsflash, friends, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be perfect. And that's what Ephesians 5, 8, 12 is telling us, that for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now walk as children of light. Now do children know exactly where to go? Our kids don't even have a license. They can't drive yet. They're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because we're all children of God, so we need the light leading us. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. So if there's a spectrum of darkness, if you will, it's not profitable to talk about all the details of all of our failures and all of our mistake. But if you've been walking as a human for a while, you know this, that failures have happened, darkness has come, and if you move on too quick, sometimes the light couldn't do the full work, not just to lead you, but to work in you. So sometimes we move on so quick, but God's not looking for us to move on always. He's looking to move in. So sometimes revisiting those moments, not we don't open the file so we're shamed by it, but that God could do his best work. So as we are gonna look at some of the stories now in a moment, as we remember the stories that are going on then, I pray that they would impact us today as well. As we hear some dark moments and ultimately know those dark moments, Christ is still looking to bring us into a place of light, freedom, love, compassion. And he takes the ultimate x-rays sees all and knows all. 2 Corinthians 12, verse seven says, so keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given me in the flesh. And this is Paul writing. And this is uh, hard to reconcile if you come from a perspective of just health and wealth, that God wants to save you, just make us healthy and wealthy. Now, there is no, that is 100% God wants us healthy. 100% he's paid for it. 100% that we're wealthy in Christ. But some of us, we could have a lot and be wicked. We could have little and be wicked. Or we could have a lot and be righteous. Or we could have a little and be righteous because we're not defined by what we have. Ultimately, we're stewarding what God gave us. So each one of us are in a different path and we're called to walk this path out. So Paul, the apostle Paul, who was known as Saul, who used to kill Christians in his darkness and thought he was doing the right thing. So when you read these in the text, you say, okay, well, wait, what is going on? 
If Paul was now called into the light, who was literally blinded by the light? He's like that song, blinded by the light. That's what Paul was doing. He was on the road to Damascus. He was Saul. Jesus calls him by name. You're persecuting me. Who am I persecuting? Jesus, it's me. And some theologians say the scripture I'm about to read next is because the enemy keeps reminding Paul of his darkness and says, you're no good. You're the you are the ultimate failure. You killed Christians. And if this passage is true, what I'm going to read, if it was that, it is fascinating to think um, where the power resides, this thorn in the flesh. Now, it, it could be a physical ailment, practically, but, but, but let the text speak for this, the text here. Watch this. A thorn was given me in the flesh. What was that thorn? A messenger of Satan to harass me. Use scripture to interpret scripture. What is the enemy's job? He does what to the brethren day and night? Accuses us. You remember when you wept bitterly, Peter? Remember when you failed in darkness? Remember when that happened? Remember your regret? Remember your sorrow? Remember your mistakes? So you could imagine, and just to, just to use some... Uh, creative liberty for a minute. I, I, I'm, I don't know this for sure. But if Paul was tormented in some way, shape, or form by his darkness and that the enemy was harassing him day and night, that God was using it in a way to sanctify him. Watch this. It says, keep me from being conceited. <laughs> that was the point that this God's allowing the enemy to be present. So if God's not healing you in a moment, He's still using healing in some way, shape, or form because he's trying to move in. And go, so the spirit of God is moving into Paul's life. And here's Paul praying to the Lord, kind of like Jesus right here. You know, three times I pleaded with the Lord, please let this leave me. And he said to me, this is what God says to us sometimes when we're in our pain. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, eh, this uh, reprogramming, here's what it taught me. Therefore, all the more, gladly, I will, uh, all the more, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes endurance speaks more than any moment when we're healed instantly. Now I believe in this moment God can do a miracle instantly. But he sanctifies and he does a miracle over time emotionally most often. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with my weaknesses. This is tough, guys. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're gonna look at a story of one of the brave members of City Life today. You guys are all so brave, but they were brave enough to kind of just give a thumbnail into a dark moment of their life. And I thought the, the placement of this particular story in light of Peter, who felt regret, um, and we all can relate with that. I think sometimes we see the stage and we forget the stage is us. We're in this together. We're all looking at Christ. And so you might hear this story, and I pray it's an invitation of what God is doing in all of our own stories, not to condemn, not to judge, but that you'll, you'll, you'll sense the fragrance of heaven and the redemptive power and the nature. And you'll, you also realize, man, it kind of makes sense in light of Peter's story and weeping bitterly and then knowing the other side that Jesus comes and pursues Peter and says, look, I know you'll never be good enough, but do you love me? And then the, the, the Greek word choice there is fascinating. Another sermon another day, but uh, check this video out. This is a brief video from Johnny. Hello, my name is Johnny Clips. And my story starts back in 2004. 2004, I left my son, Tyler, to pursue my dreams of being a barber hairstylist to the stars in Los Angeles. 
I started working at a hair salon and uh, within three months, the fashion stylist for Ed Hardy Clothing uh, Company asked me if I, I knew how to do women's hair. I said, yes. And I started working for them. And I started doing fashion shows where they took, where they took me to Vegas and Beverly Hills Playboy Mansion. And I was having a blast meeting celebrities and having a time of my life. But a long while, I had my six-year-old son back home in Michigan who was lacking a consistent father. So fast forward to 2011, I moved back home because he was uh, at risk. He was getting in trouble in school. So his mom asked if uh, I could talk to him. I, at that time, I figured that it was a good time to move back home. And he was going into the ninth grade. I got him back on track. He started, he started doing well, and he graduated uh, from DeWitt High School. Fast forward to 2016, I had a, another son by the name of Phoenix. And as things went on, when he turned six, his mother wanted to move up north to just, you know, to move away from the Lansing area to be closer to her sister. And at first I was cool with it, but then within a few weeks later, I started seeing everybody moving on with their lives and I was stuck, and stuck in place, stuck in time. Not having a real purpose to be a father, you know, I was, I was, I was yearning to be, to make up for the past guilt I had with my, my first son, Tyler. So I don't know what day it was, but I had a breaking point and I had just broke down. And like Job, I just gave it all up, you know, God do what you will. Cause I know through my brokenness and my um, flaws, I knew he would uh, make me whole. And this is one of my moments that Jesus gave his life for. Um, the next video, just to paraphrase what continues in the story uh, with Jesus, the next chapter in Matthew, uh, Jesus, or Judas, he sees that Jesus is condemned and then he changes his mind. Now, there's speculation here. Did he repent? And there's hard yeses and nos on both sides of it. This is a tension that I don't understand the full mystery and complexity, but it seems like the bulk of uh, theologians is that he didn't repent in a way, he was just sorrowful in his own act, but he didn't repent in a way that he gave his, he gave his sin to, to God through faith. I don't know if that's conclusive, um, and, I, and I don't think that fully matters. I think we should, even if we don't know all of the complexity, we can lean into the tension. And because isn't that what you, isn't that what God does to, for us? Is that we don't know all of it, but he's there with you in the tension. He's the good shepherd who, though I walk with you in the valleys. And, and when we get to this passage, I just, I, it should cause us to just weep. And here's Judas throwing the money back and saying he sinned and betrayed innocent blood. <laughs> like, he's like waking up and saying, oh my goodness. And he throws the money down and then he goes out and uh, he takes his own life. And it's, that's no light topic in any way, shape or form. We can't unpack all of that right now because that might instantly be a trigger point for many of us. Because you know somebody, you might be here today experiencing depression on a high level. The enemy might be lying to you in a way that would make you think crazy thoughts. But I pray as we started it off, know that the God of the universe is here. He created you and he knows you and he loves you. And I pray this next story would inspire you that in those moments of darkness, that the light of heaven and just the whisper of his voice would tell you that there's still hope. This is Devin. I think I was 12 or 13 at the time and 
I just got off the bus, just walking home from school and kind of was feeling some weight emotionally that I, I hadn't felt before. I kind of had tears streaming down my face and, and I'd gone through short bursts of depression before like every teenager, but, but this moment felt different. Um, it felt like a cloud I couldn't see out of. And, and I don't know really where it came from. It was kind of like a culmination of a lot of things with school and family and friendship and, and just a lot of, it felt like unmet expectations. And so I got off the bus and I'm crying. I don't fully know why. I can't even articulate what I'm feeling, but but the sense of dread and hopelessness was was overwhelming. And I planned to just walk into my kitchen and and I grabbed the biggest knife I could. And, and the goal was to, to end my life that day. And it was feelings of worthlessness mixed with social anxiety, mixed with some of just the the experiences in my life up to that point that I couldn't really name my unmet dreams or expectations. I started to wonder, man, did I even really have a purpose being here? It would be easier if I, if I wasn't here, at least for me. And it was such a small view and it, it was so dark. And I remember in that moment thinking, man, where did my joy go that I had when I was younger? Who could help me see again? I kind of heard this lie a lot in my life that nothing I do would ever work or that eventually I'd just be disappointed. And that somehow life didn't turn out the way I ever wanted to. And it kind of felt, um, I don't know, out of control. And that feeling, that lack of control, that lack of direction in my life um, really left me feel like I was floating on an island by myself and I didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing. And and I was hoping just for some something to anchor me, some solid ground, some place to kind of rest my soul. And, and that was probably the most difficult part. I was feeling as if I was all alone by myself with nowhere to turn, no one to go to that I knew I could trust. And, and that wasn't actually true but that was the felt experience. And, and that sense of being alone is not what humans are made for. But I couldn't see that in the moment. I thought, well, this is just how life is. And so that's probably the weight that I was feeling that I couldn't name at the time. Uh, but what's so cool is that Jesus showed me I wasn't alone. I heard God whisper that, that I had destiny and I had a purpose that went far beyond the pain of the moment. And that he wanted to help me and he wanted to heal me. This is one of my moments that Jesus gave his life for. And then um, to paraphrase some of the, what continues in this, the gospel uh, story recorded in Matthew 27 is uh, Jesus is then taken further and it's customary that uh, they would release a prisoner and they couldn't find fault with Jesus so they had the option presented to the crowd, which prisoner do you want to release, Jesus or Barabbas? And you have Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Father, capital F, and then you had Barabbas, which his name means son of the father, lowercase f. So that all of us born into sin, Jesus is going to be the one that's going to go pay the price. And it shows up on our calendar as Good Friday. Ain't nothing good about it unless you know the end. It's the darkest hour in all of history. And yet we get released and the crowd say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Who, who killed him that day? We did, our sin. And so that uh, continues and Jesus then goes to the cross and we're gonna watch like a video depiction of Jesus being betrayed. And, uh, you know, it's intense, it's cinematic and, it's hard and it tries to capture this in a modern way of Jesus getting lynched and, and sold and turned over and then beaten and king of the Jews above his head and, um, and lynched. And, and then ultimately, like the same people would later worship him. This is the good news that God takes in sinners who are sick, people that are dead and he makes us alive that in our darkness, he can make us brand new. And that's why we hail King Jesus. 
Um, and if you know him, then that means a lot to you. And if you don't know him yet, you probably feel him calling you because he loves you that much. And you might not know how, but if you know who, the way, the truth, the life, him, I'm with him. And uh, yeah, savior. And then he leads you as Lord. So this video is what we've named King Jesus. cross was the darkest hour that ever existed. Jesus didn't just go to the cross, but he took the wrath and punishment for all of sin and he drank that cup. And that's why we now say all hail King Jesus. And so in Easter season, we remember that he rose from the dead and oh death, where is your sting? The final enemy, the grave has been conquered but that does not mean that we won't go through dark moments until he returns. It just means that we have Emmanuel, God with us, and power when we're weak. My grace is sufficient for you. I believe the Lord's still speaking to us that today, that this is our moment as a people to be close to Jesus and to stay close. And as the hours get darker, never forget that the joy comes in the morning. And to use morning for a moment, that word, morning, is spelled two ways. M-O-R-N-I-N-G and M-O-U. R, mourning, N-I-N-G, to mourn, grief, loss, pain. And when Jesus goes to the cross, there is uh, intense grief for his mom, Mary, his followers. Wait, I thought he was the Messiah. And until he, you know, shows up and says, look, it's me. And then commissions and ultimately ascends to heaven. It's a really dark period. And all of us in the room, if we've experienced loss, the reason we grieve and we mourn is because that's, 
That's not how it was meant to be. But God is looking to restore outside of time and space and our limited view that in one big story that through Jesus, restoration, renewal could take place, that Eden experience, that God and us could be one through Jesus and that we could be one in Jesus and that one day when he returns, he will wipe away every tear, every sorrow. There will be no more sickness, no more death, no more disease, no more decay. And this last video is a story of grief. And then I don't think we'll wrap the bow today because we can't. And I recognize that this is probably pulling out a lot of emotion out of all of us. And I'd encourage us to remember that following Jesus is a process. It's a journey. And whoever said it was gonna be easy lied. Picking up our cross and on the narrow path, Jesus taught us it would be hard. There would be few on it, but it leads to life. So we ultimately get to decide which, which Lord do we serve, you know? Lord of the world, God of the world, or King Jesus, the real living God. But here's Ashton sharing about mourning and grief. She's no longer here. They mustered up the energy to tell me. I laughed prematurely. I didn't even know how to process what they just said. And they reiterated it one more time. She's no longer here, Ashton. She's dead. Immediately, I get up. I try and flip the table. I shatter the glass in front of me. And I try and explain my best that you don't understand. She, people have been sneaking into the house three or four times. We've been getting broken into. Like she wasn't, she didn't just die, she was murdered. I felt the fear of being all the way in another country. I'm a thousand miles away in the bustling city of Tijuana. And you're telling me my mom died? Matter of fact, you're telling me she got murdered. I don't even know how to process this information. I immediately head outside. I'm trying to dry heave because I'm trying to eradicate the guilt, the fear, the grief, all of it. I don't know what to do. I head back inside and I'm trying to explain to them, wait, we need to get back. We need to help my sister. We need to protect. We need to do something. I, this isn't real. And they, they grab my arms and they tell me, Ashton, she wasn't murdered. She died of natural causes. She passed away of a heart attack. Couldn't even process. What did you just tell me? Like, heart attack? No, you don't hear it. No, Ashton, she passed away of a heart attack. Okay, so immediately we head back home, trying to see for my sister. I'm trying to protect, figure out what's happening. We run autopsies, two to three of them, to try and see, yo, I think it still was a murder. I don't understand. Everybody comes back and says, she died of natural causes. The immediate thought was, you're telling me that a man didn't take her life, but you did, God. In that moment, I have never been more mad at somebody and I, I could not process the emotion. God took my mom. Yeah, that wrestle through that year and a half or so was so many ups and downs and everybody tries to write you a story and say, you know, the grief cycle looks like you'll be frustrated, numb, sad, happy. And, it, and it'll happen through a cycle and courses of your life, but it'll look like that. One day I go through the cycle of grief 15 times in one day. And then it happens again the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. And it was processing and wrestling and asking questions and not really getting the clear cut answers that I want. I wanna know how, God, why did you take my mom? That makes no sense. A year and a half later, I'm sitting across from a nine year old, half my age at the time. He lost his mom. Imperfect story, all of it. And I held him, we hugged, and we cried. And I realized maybe God has a purpose with my pain. This was one of my moments that Jesus gave his life for. I want to call the worship team to the stage and I want to read a, a psalm. And why psalms exist is 
they're songs that we can read corporately of truths that speak to the depths of our soul. You know, music has a way of locking in our emotion like a child and unlocking us too for freedom and truth that exists past the moments of darkness that we face. Psalm 30, verse one, it says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. I just want to pause there for a moment. You notice who we have to cry to? Yep. That's why no person can ever carry the full weight of our pain. No one. But we can be an extension of heaven to pick it up for a moment and love each other. That's why we're a body. That's why we need each other. That's why Sunday, it's just a touch point. That's why when you're at the workplace or somebody, you need a coworker that knows Jesus, hey, can you pray for me? I got this going on today. Like, hey, I see you. You're not alone. It's a journey. But it's always us surrendering first to God and then trusting the people that God has put in our life Verse three, Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones. Praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight. Darkness might be overnight but joy comes in the morning. And in this translation, but there is joy in the morning. If you're here today and you'd say, man, there's a dark situation I'm going through. Would you be brave enough just to raise your hand in this moment? God, you see these hands up. God, I pray today by the power of heaven, by the power that's in your name, that the light of heaven, the light of God would pierce through any dark situation, through the clouds, through the sorrow, and give us a strength and a peace that passes understanding, that gives us a hope that is powerful, to overcome the moment of darkness, the moment of weeping. And that in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would sense that the story 2,000 years ago transcends right here, right now, for you today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And to seal what I believe he's doing today, and again to over-communicate, this is not solved instantly. In fact, with Easter, it's gonna, it's gonna um, be a series of dominoes over the next several Sundays as the Lord wills. And Easter Sunday leading to baptism, but then us going through a process of deeper emotional health and membership as a people into May and into summer, um, and to enjoy the summer season as a people. But we're not trying to move on too quick. We want the Lord to move on and do what he can do beneath the surface. And so the exchange that we can give today is just by simply saying, God, I can't, but you can. I don't know how, I'm weak, but you're strong. And we close today by saying, God, that there is no fear in you 
And it might come for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. And we pray that today as a people, it would be a psalm, that we exchange the darkness and that we get the joy of the Lord because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and he has all authority and there is power in his name. Will you stand and worship with us? Joy comes in the morning. closer than we could think or imagine. I'll end with this. I was listening to a TED talk that Devin sent us and the guy was saying how he was doing some deep healing in his life and, and they were leading him in a way that he was supposed to put his hand on his chest and 
I don't remember the exact phrase, but it was something like, it's okay, you're safe, um, you're loved, it's not your fault, you're okay. And he's like, I don't want to say that. It's weird. Yeah. But God is closer than the air we breathe. And how do you think he speaks to you? So if the enemy speaks and accuses, what does God say? He didn't contemn Peter. He chose Saul. Oh, he wouldn't move into you? Come on, don't give yourself that much credit. <laughs> Your sins aren't that bad. He died for them too. God, right now, I pray that we remember that you are closer than we could think or imagine or dream, closer than the very air we breathe. And today, we thank you for the work you've done in our spirit. And we know that you are the God who is with us, will never leave or forsake us. And we go out in the strength of the Lord today that in our weakness, we are strong by your power and your grace is sufficient. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, God is amazing. And he's doing deep work in our life. We love you. Thank you for being here. We look forward to seeing you next week. Maybe own the moment. I pray the Holy Spirit would lead you to invite somebody, not because city life's cool, but because God wants someone to hear the good news that they can be restored and made brand new in Jesus Christ. We look forward to seeing you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. Go to citylifelancing.com.